I've been thinking about my teenage years a lot recently, not just because uh, I can't go to the barbers at present, but because of the theme of today's message. Uh, my friends and I at school, uh, we like different music from most of the other people in our school. And so we hung out together uh, by ourselves a lot. And we didn't have the word uh, for this at the time, but we might have described ourselves, if we'd known it, as exiles. And today we are looking in the book of Jeremiah at the theme of living as exiles. We've reached a point in the Old Testament story uh, when after centuries of disobedience and years of warning from prophets like Jeremiah and others, God finally uh, gave his people the ultimate punish, punishment. He took them out of the land that he had given them 800 years before through the leadership of Moses and Joshua. Their rulers and influencers were deported and taken uh, to Babylon, which was 700 miles away. They now had to live as exiles. They were in a foreign land, in a culture totally different uh, from that which they had known. How would they cope? What would they do? What should they do? There were people telling them that this was just going to be a really brief interruption, just a couple of years, uh, and then everything would be back to normal. But God sends them a letter via Jeremiah uh, with the truth of the situation uh, and with the unveiling of his plan and how he wants them to live in response to that. And we find this in Jeremiah chapter 29, and we're going to read from verse 4 onwards. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all the exiles whom I have sent into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Build houses and live in them. Plant gardens and eat their produce. Take wives and have sons and daughters. Take wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage that they may bear sons and daughters. Multiply there and do not decrease. But seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile and pray to the Lord on its behalf for in its welfare you will find your welfare. For thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, do not let your prophets and your diviners who are among you deceive you and do not listen to the dreams that they dream for it is a lie that they are prophesying to you in my name. I did not send them, declares the Lord. For thus says the Lord, when 70 years are completed from Babylon, for Babylon, I will visit you and I will fulfill to you my promise and bring you back to this place. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me and I will hear you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and I will restore your fortunes and gather you from all the nations and all the places where I have driven you, declares the Lord, and I will bring you back to the place from which I sent you into exile. This is God's word. Now, what this letter tells us is helpful for Christians at any time, but I think it's got particular force at the moment as we continue to live in very different circumstances to those which we're used to. Uh, so why don't we pray uh, that this won't just kind of make sense to us, but that God will speak to us through this. Holy Spirit, you know all things and you inspired the writing of that letter 
and you are with us now. All of us who call on you can hear from you. Would you please now be at work in us, open our ears that we might hear you speak to us. Lord, give me the words to say that we might know how to live at this time and always. Amen. Now, whether you're a Christian or not, I suspect that you probably live with a faint sense of exile all the time. Even before everything went crazy, we all have a longing for a world that is different to the one that we are living in. We experience this in, in many ways, uh, just a kind of sense within us. Um, and then the example of people who we see receive basically everything uh, that this world has to offer and yet still find themselves unsatisfied. The Bible has an answer for this. It tells us that right at the beginning, in Adam and Eve's story, when they were uh, thrown out of the garden uh, by God for their disobedience, uh, they were taken away from the place that, they, that had been made for them. And they were in the wilderness and they were away from God's presence. And we, all human beings, have been living with this sense of dislocation and despair uh, and, and desire ever since. As C.S. Lewis put it, if I find in myself a desire which no experience in this world can satisfy, the most probable explanation is that I was made for another world. Now, the Christian sense of exile is slightly different uh, to this that Lewis talks about because it has already begun to be fulfilled. We have met the king of that other kingdom and we've given our lives to him. And so we belong to him now. Not, no longer do we belong to the people or the place where we come from or, or the culture or the country that we're living in. Uh, we belong to someone else. And our longing has a focus now that Jesus would return and make all things new and bring us to be with him in the new creation for always. And all of this, this Old Testament sense of exile as punishment, the New Testament sense of exile as waiting uh, for those who believe in Jesus, all of these things, these are the settings in which we are to understand the most Instagrammed verse in Jeremiah and possibly even the whole Bible. Jeremiah 29, 11, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. Now, as we've seen from the story today, the plans I have for you meant that the trouble they were going through was going to last much longer than they thought it was going to, which does not usually get mentioned on Instagram. And the parallels between experiencing exile and experiencing lockdown are really obvious. Things aren't as they should be. We feel stuck, uncertain, vulnerable. The situation is out of our hands, although we do have a small part to play. We are longing for change and rescue. And so when God tells his people how to live as exiles, it's doubly helpful for us right now. There's truth for how we're to live in our present situation of lockdown, but there's also a lifelong truth for how Christians are meant to live at all times as exiles in this world. And we have an opportunity right now with everything that's been, uh, everything's been disrupted, so little is, is normal. We have an opportunity to create new normal for ourselves, for habits and patterns to become part of our lives that will help us to live as God wants us to, as Christian exiles. 
And we're going to focus on, on two characteristics I think Christian exiles should have. Uh, they're both in this letter that we've just read. Actually, research has been done uh, which shows that there are, there are five characteristics of uh, resilient Christians, people who maintain their faith even when they're under uh, great pressure. And uh, I've listed all five and a load more resources to help you explore that in the notes uh, for small groups, um, which you can download from our website probably from Tuesday, or you can ask your small group leader to forward them to you. But they're there. There's loads more for you to dig into, um, including what the other three are. But the two we're going to look at today are intimacy with Jesus and faith in every part of our daily life. And a perfect summary verse uh, for all of this is Daniel chapter 11, uh, verse 32, which says, The people who know their God shall stand firm and take action. And that's what we're going to look at. People knowing their God and then standing firm and taking action. So the first point then, intimacy with Jesus, knowing our God. Resident, uh, resilient exiles need to know who God is. Why is that important? It's important because who and what you love will dominate you. A couple of weeks ago, I took part in a quiz that was being organised by Nathaniel Smith, who's part of the team here at King's. And um, he's been running these quizzes recently. They've been going really well. They're excellent. Uh, and this is just a general knowledge quiz. But Nathaniel loves films. And so films, just, they, they were just in every round. They were all over the place. There were questions that you needed direct knowledge about films to answer and others where indirect knowledge uh, was important. And, and so a few of us challenged Nathaniel on this and said, this is supposed to be general knowledge. It's really mostly about films. And, and he tried to mount a defence. He said, well, look, there was a geography round. And we're like, yes, there was a geography round. But the first question in the geography round is where in the, was, where in the world is this famous cinema? If you know and love the Lord Jesus, he will dominate your thoughts, your words, your deeds. And God knows this. And that's why he starts this letter by reminding his people of who he is. He says to them twice that he is the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel. Lord of hosts, other versions translate this as uh, God Almighty uh, or, or the Lord of heaven's armies or the God of angel armies. It's about how powerful he is, how incredibly strong he is. And so he's asserting here that despite how powerful the king of Babylon seemed and by earthly standards, he was really powerful. Yet compared with God, he was nothing. He was just a tool being used by God. God's reminding them that he is more powerful and stronger than anyone, anything else in all the universe. And he refers to himself by his name. He calls himself Lord. In our English, it's Lord in capital letters. That always means it's a translation of the name Yahweh. This is the personal name of God, which he revealed uniquely to his people. And so this is a reminder that whatever was happening to them and wherever they were, they still belonged to him. They were still precious in his eyes. That, that name that he'd given them bound him and them together. And he reiterates this by saying uh, that he is the God of Israel. He's like, I'm your God. The Babylonians had all these other gods, but I'm telling you, I'm your God and I'm stronger than they are. We need to know who God is and we need to dwell on what God is like. Whatever you can do to keep these things at the forefront of your mind, do them. Write lists about who God is. Um, 
sing songs about them. When you're reading through the Bible, always just be looking, what does this tell me about God? What can I see about God here? What can I learn about God here? Read books about him. Do whatever it takes to help you know who God is. Because the more you know about him, the more lovely he will appear to you and the more you will therefore love him. God also tells the exiles to um, express their intimacy with him by praying. Verses 12 to 14, he says, Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me and I'll hear you. You will seek me and find me. When you seek me with all your heart, I will be found by you, declares the Lord. Now, isn't this incredible? Isn't this amazing uh, that God is saying this to people who'd rebelled against him, who'd rejected him, uh, who'd made mockery of him. And he's saying to them, I want you to find me. Isn't it incredible that he says the same to me and to you? All the things that we've done in our lives that would cause his displeasure, that would separate us from him. And yet he says, I want you to come and find me. I want you to know me. We were made to be in relationship with God. And prayer is a key place where that happens. Prayer is a place of pursuit. It's a place of seeking. It's a place of calling. It's a place of saying to God, I I need you. I must have you. I need to find you. And we do this again and again and again. It's also a place of exposure. Uh, We come to him uh, often weary, always desperate, maybe sometimes slightly wary. Uh, Maybe it was early in the morning or late at night. We're a bit bleary. We're not our best, but we're coming to him. And we're saying, God, we need you. We want you. Prayer is a place of encounter. It's a place where God comes and meets with us, where he speaks to us, where he gives us a sense of his presence. He doesn't do this in a uniform way. He doesn't do it the same way for each one of us all the time. There are seasons where we're very aware of him and seasons where we're not. But we're to keep seeking after him. As we do this, we'll be given eyes to see what he's doing around us, ears to hear what he is saying, not just in that moment of prayer, but throughout the day, throughout our lives. And this will deepen our understanding of him and our love for him. It's taken me a while uh, to get into the, the, a different rhythm of praying uh, for lockdown life, but I knew I had to. I was like, I've got to make this work. I've got to find out how I can do this because I need to be close to God and, and you need to be close to God. You need to ins- uh, encounter him. You need to meet with him. You need to call on him. And this thing of habit, I just want to pick it up uh, just briefly. It's, they're so important, habits. Uh, habits, you either make habits that will do you good or habits will make you into a, into a kind of person that you might not have expected you were going to be. They're so powerful because not only do good habits give us access to the good things, so it's, it's good to read the word, it's good to pray. And if we have a habit that helps us to do this, we will do those things and that's great. But the other thing about habits is that they, they shape who we are. So... Getting up before everyone else in the morning to pray, that's physically costly. But it's, it, because it's costly in that moment, I'm reaffirming my commitment to God again. I'm saying, no, I'd rather get up than stay in bed for another half an hour or so. I'd rather try and hear from you uh, than get a bit more sleep. And regularly doing that in one area of my life, my morning routine, helps me to do it in the other areas of my life. Similarly, Reading the Bible before I look at my phone. I've described this in the past as reading the good news before I read the news. As I do this, this this gets my priorities right in that moment, but also again for the rest of the day. It gets my focus in the right place. And so that, that enables me to stay 
more focused than I would otherwise be. Of course, it's still a challenge, but because I've got this habit in my life at the start of the day and at the end of the day that I'm, I'm, I'm going I'm to prioritize God, I think that helps me to do it at other times as well. So that's the first thing uh, that resilient exiles do. Uh, they are intimate with God. But the second thing uh, then to look at is that the people who know their God shall stand firm in their faith and take action. Faith in every part of daily life. It seems likely that the exiles thought they were going to be in Babylon for a short time. So basically hide, keep your head down and let's get back home as soon as we can. Then we'll be back to normal. Then we can get on with our lives. Then we can do what we're supposed to do. And I guess that's how pretty much all of us felt going into lockdown. And now we're realising that going back to normal is going to be a very different thing from what we thought it was going to be. And God, when he wrote to the exiles in Jeremiah 29, he had a better plan for them that they just kind of hid or kind of held their breath or just didn't do anything and then came back home. God says, no, I want you to do now what is normal life, what is the good life. He says to them in verse five onwards, build houses and live in them. Those are long-term projects. Plant gardens and eat their produce. Again, long-term project, project, but, but normal life. He's like, live, grow things, eat. Take wives and have sons and daughters. Um, It goes, multiply there. Do not decrease. Seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile. Pray to the Lord on its behalf, for in its welfare, you will find your welfare. This is how God wants them to live. I believe it's it's how God wants us to live right now. There's reminders uh, in those instructions of the creation mandate, what God said to us right at the start when he said, uh, multiply. Again, it's the same word, multiply, fill the earth and uh, subdue it, cultivate it. Make good things out of what God has provided us with. That's what he's saying to the exiles. That's what he said right at the start. And that's what he's saying to us today. These verses also remind us of the promise that he made to Abraham, the start of the family of God. He said, through your family, all the world will be blessed. So even these Babylonians who have, who have, taken, who have destroyed Jerusalem and taken uh, God's people into exile, they are going to be blessed because they brought people who are members of the family of Abraham into their kingdom. Christians are always the light of the world. No matter what's going on, we are to live this way. So my question for you is, what does it look like for you to bring growth and goodness where you are right now? You may have a very small area of influence. It might feel even smaller right now because you you can't do the things you, you usually do. But God is calling you. God is calling you to do good there. Wherever you are, whoever you're interacting with, whatever it is that you're working on, God's saying, I want to use those things for good. I'm calling you to do that. The subtle thing about this is that this doesn't necessarily mean that we need to start doing new things. It's more that we need to do the normal things of life, but with a new attitude and a new expectation that God is going to give life through these things. Uh, To us, yes, but really to others. That's what he wants us to do. So it's this attitude and expectation of bringing the love and the wholeness of God wherever we are and whatever we're doing. 
Again, I've put a bunch of resources to help you explore that uh, in the notes, and I'd love you as small groups to talk about that this week. It looks different for different ones of us, but we can be inspired by one another. Uh, we can uh, learn from each other's principles, uh, how to put that into practice in each of our lives. Here's a really important thing I want to say to you. Please do not wait for lockdown to be over before you start thinking about how to do this. Don't think, oh, I've read through the document. In phase three, that's where it's really going to start for me. I'm really going to be able to live for God then. Really going to be able to do things then that will please God and bless other people. No, no, now, today, God's calling you to live in this way. Now is the time to begin. If God could say this to people who are in exile in Babylon, he can say it to us now, today, and I believe that he is. Back when my hair was getting longer and longer, a strange thing happened. It came to be known as Britpop. And it was basically a cultural moment in which essentially everyone else started getting into the music that I was into and my friends were into. And suddenly people at school wanted to speak to us about the things that we listened to. And they wanted to listen to it as well. And they even wanted recommendations from us. Christian, what if now is the time when many people are realising their desperate need for what you have, the love and the hope of Jesus? They will know you've got it if you are able to live as a resilient exile. If the people who know their God stand firm and take action. Let's pray that we would be those kind of people and that God would use us to glorify his name on the earth in these days. Lord Jesus, that's exactly what we ask of you, that you would do good through us, as you do good in us, as we get to know you more, as we love you more and more, as we meet with you, as we see you at work. Help that to then flow into every moment of our lives. Thank you, you don't want it just to be a a little bit here, a little bit there. You want all of it to be this goodness and growth, this welfare and peace that you've got for all people. Help us, Lord. We're weak. We don't know how to do this entirely, uh, but we know that you can bless us. You can bless others through us. So please, God, take what we've got. Help us to learn and help us to grow and help us to do good. Amen. Amen. God bless you and keep you this week.